Dun 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 and by the sounds of that, ladies and gentlemen, you know what we are talking about today. We are talking about the Terminator series. I am your host, Misha Aravena, and welcome back to the Lockdown Lowdown. So for today's show, we're mainly going to concentrate on Terminator 1 and 2, because let's be honest, those are the ground uh, groundbreaking films in this series, and they are also the best ones. <laughs> if anyone thinks differently, they're going to have major words on this episode. So we'll briefly touch on the other films. So before we begin, let me introduce my panel. I have Mr. Alex Pope. Gentlemen, good to have the, the trifecta back together again. Awesome. Yes, you know, we all have very busy schedules. We try and make it work, but we're very happy we're still doing an episode a week. And I also have Mr. Andrew Stupart. Hasta la vista, baby. All right. Awesome <laughs> stuff. Great impression, Stupart. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So let's begin. Let's begin with the first Terminator film released in 1984. James Cameron got this idea. Well, let me talk a little bit about James Cameron. He had he was a special effects artist before he became a director, did a lot, worked on things like John Carpenter's Escape from New York. And that's how he became a director. He became um, quite infamous on sets for being the go-to guy with practical effects. And that led to his first film, Piranha 2, the Spawning, and as he called it, the best flying fish movie ever made. I've never seen it. By all accounts, it's probably awful. <laughs> I'm sure he probably uh, hopes that it, it is forgotten. But he got the idea of the Terminator one night when he was uh, on vacation sleeping, and he had a dream of this robot-like machine coming out of the fires. And he used that drawing, that shot in the first film, uh, and that is the inspiration from where he got the idea of the Terminator. And he borrowed heavily from Twilight Zone episodes, The Demon with the Glass Hand, which apparently he got sued for after the first Terminator film and had to give some copyright things to the guys who made that episode of the Twilight Zone because he, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with borrowing. And he did borrow a lot of ideas, but recycled them brilliantly. So I'm gonna give it over to Alex. I'll give it over to you first before I give my thoughts. Tell us, maybe how you feel about the first film, what you, what you think about it now, and get us going on this one. I think this was an incredible movie about technology during an incredible time for technology. Uh, we're seeing like an overlap of like sort of the, the old school, like the, you know, um, the Terminator going through the phone book to find all of the Sarah mm. Connors. Um, and, you know, at the same time, you have this amazing glimpse of, of this dystopian future of what machines and, and computers are going to bring about. It's really, it's really just amazing. I love the retro technology that, uh, that, you know, exists in the, in the beginning of the movie here. And it's just such a great, uh, a great film franchise that, uh, did fall apart a little bit later on in the in the series, but uh, but this first one, especially when you have um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger just at his peak physicality, um, yeah. it just it brings so much to the movie, and it's it's just a, um, such a thrill to to go back and watch it. 
And before I, I hand it over to Stupar for his first thoughts, uh, I'll give Arnold some praise because he was canny enough. Originally, he got offered the role of Kyle Reese. But after talking with James Cameron, he thought he would be best uh, suited for the Terminator. And James Cameron kind of said, no, 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 no. The Terminator is someone who can kind of blend into yes. society. He envisioned it as kind of the T-1000 later in T-2. So when he cast Arnold, that changed that, of course, because Arnold is... 230 pounds six foot two and doesn't blend in yeah, so he exactly. said you know i wanted I, I i i constructed the t1000 as kind of like this beautiful lamborghini corvette whereas the terminator is this this just big monstrous truck yeah so when arnold got hired it changed that but it was for the better because everything became iconic his voice the body every everything he says so kudos for schwarzenegger uh, for knowing that he was better suited for the Terminator. Because can you imagine him as Kyle Reese? Would have been awful. <laughs> it would have been awful. Sarah, I'm trying to save you from the uh, Terminator. Come with me if you want to live. But I think that's an interesting thing that you mentioned, the fact that they, they envisioned him as a truck, just a mm -hmm. truck of a human being. Because they have that that juxtaposition of the the um, the garbage truck. Yeah. And just sort of this monstrous truck coming into frame and everything like that, just sort of like setting the tone for the movie. And uh, and it's almost like he's, you know, uh, he comes back from the future um, and then he's sort of standing there naked and he's just sort of this extension of the monster, the, this monstrous uh, garbage truck, you know? Indeed. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned the juxtaposition and that symbolism, Alex, because You'll, you'll have to remember that um, Kyle Reese falls asleep in front of the all the trucks in the industrial, like, I guess they're doing construction or something. And that's when he starts dreaming about the future. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism with machinery in the movie, for sure. Yes. And uh, Andrew, I'm going to throw uh, it back over to you. Kind of give us your first initial thoughts of the first Terminator. Yeah, no, I was, um, you guys have do, done a great job to set the, the intro here, but I, I'll make a note that it was actually um, talking about blending in. It was Lance Henriksen who yeah. was supposed to be the original Terminator. And, and again, to your point, he's supposed to be sneaky and kind of like almost like a spy, like kind of sneaking around, blending and like moving in the dark, kind of like Batman or something like that. And then like the recasting thing happened and this guy got like fucked over a little bit because they put him in as the, uh, the, the cop. So he went from like having a lead role to being recast as like one of the detectives. So he still had screen time, Lance did, but it was much diminished. And to your point, like they, they took this Terminator from being this like um, ninja blending into like being this huge machine of a man. But uh, honestly, um, it was an amazing choice, and uh, you know, well, he actually, did get to Arnold, play a robot eventually. He got to play Bishop, so this right? is true. He did play yeah. Bishop um, in in the Alien franchise, so it's a small world for sure. Um, what's interesting is that Arnold was a little bit hesitant, if I remember correctly, um, because Arnold usually likes to play the good guy. Think about Col um, what's his name? Not Col um, Commando. Think about Commando. He's like a man on a mission big muscle, big guns, going after his daughter. He is the guy on a mission to get, save his family, right? But in this he one, he's the bad heroes. guy. Yeah. In this one, he's the bad guy. He's like um, a robotic killer who kills everything that gets in the way between him and Sarah Connor. And they say that, you know, I think one of the previous comments you made on the, on the Schwarzenegger episode that we did, 
was about, you know, becoming a villain can sometimes kill your career. And that's why in the second one, they made him a good Terminator. And they actually, you know, um, played with the audience's mind a little bit. Um, Cause at, at the beginning of the second one, you think that he's coming back again as a bad guy, but he's actually a good guy in the second one. But um, going back to the first one. Um, yeah. I mean, not only can I praise James Cameron for his vision of a dystopian future and even back in the early 80s, he had this very uh, clear vision of what he believed would be the downfall of mankind and computers becoming too smart for their own good, all that good stuff, time travel mixed in there, which is amazing. Um, and so I have to praise James Cameron. He's one of the best, if not the absolute best um, science fiction action directors of all time. Yeah. Um, and then I also have to give some credit to Stan Winston who would work with um, James Cameron, not only in Terminator, but he would work with him again um, in Aliens, the second Alien movie, which Cameron also directed. And so he would, Stan Winston, uh, special effects guru and God, if I could go so far, um, not only worked on the animatronic, um, you know, scenes of the Terminator, like animating that, 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 evil robot of the Terminator, but he also worked on the animations of the aliens, like the animatronic uh, aliens in the, in the 1986 Aliens movie. So I have to give out a, a shout out to Stan Winston, who is an unsung hero of the Terminator franchise. Uh, yeah, all great points, Andrew. I think well, uh, where I will start for myself, what I love about the first film, I consider the first two Terminator films very similar to the uh, first two Alien films. The first Terminator film, I don't think is a science fiction film. It is a horror film. It's one of the scariest films I've ever seen. And it gave me nightmares as a kid. And it has all of the horror tropes, the unstoppable silent killer villain going after the innocent virginal uh, girl. It, it is absolutely a slasher film. Think Halloween. Uh, Jason. And then T2 is kind of a more upbeat action oriented one. So I love what the success of the first film is the tone. I love the tone. It's down and dirty and gritty. Um, I think you have wonderful performances from Michael Bean and Linda Hamilton, Stan Winston's design of the exoskeleton. Um, some people might say the special effects at the end are maybe a little bit dated, but I say actually no, I think the stock motion jerkiness actually adds to the horror element. When I watch that scene today, yeah. when it's following them in the corridor, it still scares me. I'm creepy, like, man, that man. jerkiness stock yeah. motion yeah. adds to it, actually. Yeah. And actually, Misha, um, I'm going to jump in really quick because I remember watching RoboCop and it was the same thing because you have RoboCop the character but then you also have like the big like machines who are like the big robots who are attacking robocop like in the lobby of that whatever the corporate headquarters thing and it's the same thing it's that 80s on uh, 80s and 90s like stop motion before they had you know perfected computer animation which they had you know they really went far with the computer animation in the second one which mm -hmm. we'll touch on later but back then there was no cgi that was developed to that level so you had to use animatronic stop animation physical effects and honestly you can't say it's dated because that was the technology they had at the time like that, that's what they were working with that was the state of the art way of doing things at the time and like 
honestly, like when that Terminator is chasing Sarah down like the the corridor with the stop animation, like like yourself, like I get I get like the chills, man. Like that thing will stop at nothing to kill her, and that's the point of this movie is that it's you know other villains will you know if they get a bullet wound they're going to get slowed down if they get slashed across like the chest they're going to bleed they might even bleed out and die but this thing will not stop it's the whole point of this movie is that it doesn't matter who's in your way doesn't matter who who's killed it doesn't matter what you know um collateral damage happens this thing has one mission and one mission only and it doesn't it doesn't feel pain so it will keep going yeah and I, I definitely think the unsung hero of this piece is James Cameron. Because one thing I love about James Cameron. No, no, no. The, the unsung hero is Bill Paxton. There's no, there's no <laughs> He's in this too. He gets killed. <laughs> yeah. He played, that was the best character. It's a shame that they killed him off so early because it, he was just amazing. Um, he, Bill he Paxton was. was like this Johnny Rotten, uh, punk rock, no good Nick kind of oh, guy. Oh yes, yes. Just such a great character, and then they just killed him right away. Is that uh, is that the scene at the very beginning where it's like, uh, is it Wash through. Day or something like that? Yeah, they're yeah they're they're like the first people that yeah. that uh, Arnold uh, or that the Terminator encounters and asks for their clothes as yeah. if as if he's gonna fit into their clothes. I don't yeah. know how yeah. that. You have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. But <laughs> what I want to say about James Cameron with his films, this was a very low budget film with a lot of big ideas in terms of horror and science fiction. And with him, it doesn't matter if it's a $6 million budget or a $200 million budget. With a James Cameron film, every penny is on the screen. He knows how to utilize every single department beautifully in a film. But... One last question I want to ask you guys, though. I want to talk about some favorite scenes from the first Terminator film, because this, the one scene that I watch every time and I just applaud and I'm like, what brilliant filmmaking, the police station shootout. Yes. I think one of the yeah. best shot films in all of cinema, because when he finally walks away, that's when you go, there is no stopping this guy. Yeah. This guy is Vincent. That's when the terror, that's when the horror element really hit me. And I'm like, this guy is invincible and he just walks through all the cops. I just think that sequence is just such fantastic filmmaking. But, and Misha, uh, you forgot about one very, very, very famous line that was spoken in that police station, which was, I'll be back. Yes. And honestly, like that, I was, I remember watching um, with my mom about five or six years ago, um, a, a TV special on some of the best lines in cinematic history and so you have like gone with the wind like and you have like um casablanca up there with some of their famous lines and of course you have like no i'm your father from uh empire when when luke finds out that 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 plot twist when he finds out that darth vader is his father but one of the lines that came up in this in this historical list of fav favorite lines from cinema was i'll be back exactly. and like honestly that that phrase i'll be back has branding attached to it it has it has like value attached to it like if someone says i'll be back like in a joking no, no. kind of way most people know like what you're referencing yeah. exactly and yeah, i wonder if the writers knew when they when they wrote that line that that would be one of the most recognizable three words in the well, english you, language you know <laughs> what i don't know if you guys know this but there's a story behind uh the i'll be back that i heard arnold schwarzenegger tell one time 
apparently uh, in the script, it was, I'll be back. But Arnold said to James Cameron, listen, I'm a machine. He wouldn't make it a contraction. He would say, I will be back because he's very precise. He's very calculated. Can I say, I will be back? And then James Cameron said to Arnold, listen, I don't tell you how to act. You don't tell me how to write my script. You're saying I'll be back. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger said, and I'm so grateful he he kept that because it made it the iconic line it oh, is. Yeah. But Arnold yeah. wanted to say, I will be back, which does make sense when you think about a machine. He would be a little bit more calculated, but I'm so glad James Cameron changed but it. I, I think it actually kind of works though, because he's sort of learning the English language as he goes. Am I right? Yeah. Or, yes. or, or is he already programmed with the English language? Well, I, I, Alex, you touched on something that I was going to mention, um, which is 100% correct, is that the Terminator, and you see this throughout the franchise, is programmed to learn. And we'll talk about this a lot when we, when we talk about the second one, Judgment Day. But the whole thing, the whole point is that it's programmed to learn. So I can believe the fact that it would hear someone use a contraction and then use that in order to blend in, blend in with normal speech. And you know what, Stuart? I there really is... understand that though, because like in the future, don't they know that English is the predominant language of the time? And wouldn't they send him back already knowing the language like in its entirety? Well, or... Alex, there is that one scene. Remember when the, the janitor says, hey, you got a dead cat in there or something, buddy? And he says appropriate responses and he goes through them and then says, Fuck you, asshole. Fuck you, so that must asshole. Be, yeah, that must be Skynet. <laughs> but, but it's but it's almost as if he can only use uh, phrases and expressions that he picks up, like as as he goes. So, like, because "fuck you, asshole" is something the guy in the bar said to him after he tried to steal his clothes, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, yeah. So like, all, <laughs> like he's like going through all of the all of the expressions that he's heard along the way and using those. So I, but like, yeah, I mean, this movie, I think it has to be mentioned that this movie is full of holes, plot, little, little plot holes, but they don't really take away from how awesome. And you kind of get that with any, any movies that deal with time travel you mm -hmm. will find those because I, I see them a bit more when we get to T2. Oh yeah. Cause I've always thought the first Terminator is a self-contained stories. The machines lost in the future and they sent someone back in time as a last ditch effort. He failed. End of story. End of story. There's nowhere. So if they had never made T2 or T3, it would have been a, still a very satisfying yeah. ending. But Andrew, I'm going to throw it over to you. Do you have like some favorite scenes moments in the first Terminator? Yeah, so there's two things I'm going to talk about in movie scenes and out of movie deleted scenes. I'll go to my favorite in, you know, obviously one of them is the police, the whole police station and, and, and we do what you talked about, which is choreo, not only from a viewer's perspective, but knowing that a lot of us have like acting or film film background in this group here from a filmmaking perspective, coordinating all that must have been crazy. Um, so I love the police, police shootout scene. Another sh scene that just gives me the chills when I watch it is when Sarah Connor kind of figures out like, okay, there's a, a you know, a, um, what's the word? Phone book, serial killer, like going after Sarah Connor is like, I gotta do something. So she goes to that nightclub because she knows she'll be safe in public. And the way they like, with that music that's playing in the nightclub and like the strobe effects of the light, and just like the whole way it's shot and edited, it has that tone. And then you walk, the Terminator like walks in and like just the whole rhythm of, of how that was edited and the way it was shot and like seeing the Terminator like approach her, like 
in the bar and she like has a very narrow escape and Kyle Reese has to like intervene really quickly in the, in the nightclub. That is a scene that I will never get out of my head. It's yeah. just phenomenally, it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Um, and and would, just before you go on to your next one, I just yeah, want yeah. to add, I have a favorite moment within that scene. Yeah. When the Terminator is walking through and Sarah drops something from her little table, she goes yeah. to bend down to pick it and he looks over and he just misses her. Yeah. That is brilliant yeah. filmmaking. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. 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 No, I love the fact that you mentioned that because it's just the details in this film are absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'm going to talk about some deleted scenes because I kind of geeked out and I watched some documentaries about this. And I also watched some deleted scenes that are available on YouTube. And um, actually, interestingly enough, it paves the way perfectly for the sequel, Teach You Judgment Day, um, where there's a scene like in the factory afterwards, right at the very end, where the Cyberdyne... Uh, like workers find the chip in the factory. I don't know if you guys have seen that scene, but there's like legitimately a scene. It was cut out for time where the guys find the chip and it, and it really sets things in motion for the next movie and the time travel paradox. And I'm going to go into a little time travel paradox. That's going to mind fuck all the listeners right now, but I don't care. So the whole point is that they find the arm of the Terminator and they find the chip. And meanwhile, she's, she's being carted off because she's, everyone thinks she's crazy these guys hide this and keep it under wraps. And, and there's that, and they actually say in the scene, like take this back to uh, R and D, like research and development, this chip, right? And so people are thinking, okay, well, Cyberdyne, this company now has their hands on this chip. Um, and that's what, you know, inspires um, Miles Dyson to come up with all the technology for Skynet. And then Skynet is what causes the war. And then finally Skynet sets back a Terminator, which, whose arm they find and the chip they find. So it's like this weird time travel paradox. And that scene, is, I can't believe they cut it out of the movie because it was really great. And then there was another scene um, where Sarah asks Kyle, like they're on the run um, from the Terminator, like on the way to the little cottage thing, like the little lodge or whatever um, to hide out. And Sarah asks Kyle, like she says, I want to go up and blow up Cyberdyne. So there's already that idea in her head before we even get to that in the sequel, Judgment Day, where Kai, where Sarah is actually asking this soldier to go and blow up the headquarters because she is scared at this point, um, even before the sequel. So a couple of really cool deleted scenes. If you can watch them on YouTube, definitely watch the scene where they discover the chip in the factory, as well as some um, the cut scene, the cut scene between um, Sarah and Kyle um, gives a little bit more color to the movie. That's really interesting. So the inspiration for T2 was kind of already in the first film. Yes. A little bit. Um, so before we wrap up on T1, uh, Alex, do you have any final thoughts, favorite scenes with, uh, with T1? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to, to think of just one. Like it, it was just such an amazing, amazing film. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much more to say about it. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, my <laughs> final thoughts are it's one of these films where when I watch it when I'm older, you know, a lot of films that you loved as a kid, sometimes you can, you'll still love them, but you can pick some holes. But with this one, I think it dates fabulously. Like I, I think the themes, the way it's shot, I love the horror element. I love how it's so different from T2. That's why I love the first two so much because they're completely different films. Uh, Andrew, any final thoughts on T1? 
honestly, like you took you took the words out of my mouth. I think we can all agree on this one. It it may not stand up. It's kind of like Star Wars: A New Hope. Like Empire's better, arguably, and I would say that T2 is better, Judgment Day. But 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 the thing about Empire Strikes Back and T2 Judgment Day is that they needed the originals in order to have that foundation of awesomeness to 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 allow for the sequels after that. So I think we have to give, again, we have to give major props to the crew, especially the director um, on this one, because without this original, the franchise would, would not exist. No, absolutely. And who, right, did the, who did the music on this as well? Brad Fidel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just incredible. So. He didn't have that much of a career after Terminator. I think he got into like some drug problems or something. Uh, the composer, but I mean, he created an iconic score as well. Yeah. Yeah. But all right, guys, good stuff. Let's move on to Terminator 2, released uh, in 1991, seven years after the first one. It was the highest grossing R-rated film at that time. And Andrew, I'm going to throw it over to you because I know this is one of your all-time favorite films. So I'm going to let you introduce it and get us started on T2. Where do I even start, Misha? Thank you. I mean, this this podcast might be an extended length podcast just by the, the, the liberties that you've granted me just now. But no, honestly, I remember sometime in the 90s when I was old enough to watch this movie for Christmas time, my aunt and uncle gave me a VHS of the theatrical cut and I was hooked. I had this thing on VHS. Now I've picked it up on DVD and Blu-ray since then. And I, and I can, you know, and so I've kept up with it to have the, the nicest, clearest picture that I can. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing it when I was a kid and I was just blown away. I had like the Arnold action figure and I had like the, the uh, T-800 like um, bare bones, like, you know, uh, like without the skin on, like the, the robot action figure. Oh man, I used to play with those action figures. Like just the nostalgia there, but seriously, if you do watch this movie, I have to say, first of all, on if you watch it on Blu-ray, watch the extended cut because there's an extra, I think, 15 or 20 minutes of footage that really allow you to like soak up the characters. Um, so definitely watch the extended cut if you can. Um, but to give you my, my over, overarching opinion, in my opinion, I say this humbly, this is like probably the best action sci-fi film of all time. Now I'm gonna put uh, Star Wars aside because Star Wars is considered science, science, science fiction fantasy. It's a sci-fi fantasy. This is science fiction action. And I would argue this is one of the best action movies of all time, hands down, okay? Um, James Cameron just, it was the right cast with the right director, with the right story, with the right script at the right time, with the right effects and everything came together. Um, beautifully, beautifully. Okay, we have we have Arnold coming back, and again we do the switcheroo and the and the and I remember being a little bit confused when I watched it because I'm like, isn't Arnold the bad guy? No, it was no. a great surprise though. It's a great, a great surprise to have Patrick. Um, is it Robert Patrick? Is that his name? Yep, Robert Patrick. It's a switcheroo because Robert Patrick is like the nicer looking one. Like he's tall, skinny. Like he blends in, kind of like what you were saying before but he's the bad one, okay? He's the T-1000, this advanced machine. And let me tell you, ILM, like Industrial Light and Magic, which was a key um, company from the Star Wars era, like 
they need some credit here. Like, honestly, two people I want to give shout outs to aside, aside from like James Cameron are Stan Winston, who worked on this one again on the animatronic side. And then ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, who, you know, took the beginnings of this very crude world of, of CGI and took it to the next level. Nothing had been seen like this before. The whole idea of this liquid metal uh, Terminator rising out of the, the ashes, uh, rising out of the, the fiery ball that, that you know, um, after the explosion of the truck in that, um, not the dam, in that you know what I'm talking about. The... Yeah, when they're in that little... Uh... Crate. It's not a crater. But. No, no, no. I'm trying to think of what the word is. But anyways, they're in the, the big truck explosion, and yeah. and and um and and little John Connor and the Terminator run flee away before what what do you see is the T1000 rising and moving out of this out of this um, ball of flames, kind of like we see in the first one with the T800. But this thing has to morph out of a, a out of like um, a puddle of, of liquid metal. And back in 1991, that was like groundbreaking. Like I cannot overstate how state of the art that was. And like we talked about off, you know, off of the podcast, like offline was the fact that that animation from ILM, uh, for the T1000, um, was actually, um, that technology was lent to Steven Spielberg, who was, you know, you know, it's a small world. So he knew James Cameron. And so that technology was used in Jurassic Park. And that technology was the, the foundation of a lot of the, the CGI that we see today. So the special effects, brilliant. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I, know, I actually remember going to MGM Studios with my family when we went on a trip to Florida, we went to Disney World and then MGM Studios. And I saw the documentary of how they made the T-1000. It was, oh, it was incredible, incredible. Um, but before I throw it over and, to you and, guys. Uh, Robert, Robert Patrick as T-1000 as well. Oh, it's great, like, man. Yeah. Let, so like it, as a shape-shifting uh, robot, you know, he can take on any form. Yeah. Any, any person could potentially be T-1000. But the fact that it cho it chose to be Robert Patrick throughout the the almost the entirety of the movie was so good. I, there's yeah. just something about just his stone cold um, style is yeah. just chilling. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, no, I have to give props to him. Great casting choice. And before I throw it back to you guys, because I'm sure you guys have lots to say as well, um, I just have to, I cannot state enough my praise of Linda Hamilton. Like. There are no words to describe. Like I and I, I was talking to my brother about this a couple of years ago because my brother's a big film nut as well. And I was like, why didn't Sarah Hamilton get like a best actress like award for this? And it's because it's a genre piece. So when you have yeah. like a science, like a heavy science fiction genre piece, sometimes you you know you're not going to get actors even if they have a very good performance. They're not going to get the recognition that they deserve. Um, be, due to the fact that it is a genre piece, but she did win a Saturn award for this, um, which is kind of like, a, I guess it's like a lesser known, like type of like film award because she, and she was deserving of it because not, she went from being this naive 20 something to being like this hardened soldier who has everything up against her, 
Okay. She had to fight against the Terminator in the first one. Now she's locked away in this asylum. Everyone thinks she's cr like bat crazy, like bat shit crazy. Like they think that she's like has schizophrenia and all this shit. Meanwhile, she's like the, trying to protect the, the, the Messiah, basically like the, the hope for mankind. And I would argue that like John Connor, like, yeah, he's supposed to be like this hero in the future. He's not the hero of the movie. She's the hero of my, of the movie. And the whole thing's about her, right? Like even, even in the first one, um, Michael, B like Kyle Reese uh, says, I travel back in time for you, Sarah. He says that in the first one. And it's true. She is the hero in this movie, an amazing female action hero. Um, and just, just her performance, um, gives me chills. So I'm I love it. That. I love it when, when an, an actor shows off their abilities by showing the progression of a character. Oh, for because sure. In, in the beginning, exactly what you're saying, you know, she's just sort of this lady in distress, you know? Um, but in the second movie, it's, it's so similar to what we were talking about in the alien series with Ripley. Yeah. Um, you know, in the second movie, right away, you can tell she is an entirely different woman yeah. Uh, yeah. from her experiences. And uh, she's just battle-hardened. And and she does such a good job of, of portraying that on screen. There's lots of parallels to me between T1 and T2 and Alien and Aliens. They're very mm -hmm. similar, uh, in my opinion. But I'm, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Andrew. To me, Terminator 1, one of the best horror films ever made. T2, one of the best-conceived action films ever made but what i love about it the action scenes are so good but it doesn't sacrifice any of that for character and story one of the main themes to me of t2 is what does it mean to be human and every human life no matter how inconsequential you might feel has meaning to it right i think that's one of the main themes of terminator 2 but one thing that people don't give a lot of praise for, I want to give praise to the actor Joe Morton, who plays Miles Dyson. Oh, yeah. Now, that's, that's a character that could have been very like, oh, he's the bad guy because he created all this bad technology. But it's a surprisingly sympathetic character. He's totally naive that he wants to better the world. And he has no idea that he's going to create all of these awful things and destroy humanity. Yeah. And there's, when he dies, there's a lot of sympathy there for yeah. him. And I thought that was a really great grounded character that was just totally naive of what he was, was doing. But I and think- Misha, Edward sorry, I'm just going to jump in because that, you know, when I watch, again, I always like to watch the extended cut because you get, during the extended cut, which again, adds that extra 15 or 20 minutes, you get a little bit of t more time, not only with Sarah and with the Terminator, but you also get a little bit more time with Miles Dyson, his wife, and just kind of setting the tone because in his mind, he's talking about like, and we talked about this during the, the, the automation episode yeah. that we did. And this, that's the reason this is the re you guys might think I'm crazy. You know, the listeners might think I'm crazy for starting an episode about automation with, with, a, with an homage to the Terminator, but it's that whole speech about, um, you know, when his wife's trying to get him to spend some time with the family, he goes, but I'm so into this thing. Imagine, you know, this is what I'm working on. Imagine, um, you know, a pilot that never calls in sick, that's never hung over that sort of thing. And so it's the whole idea of like that, uh, that, that a plane can fly flawlessly with the use of a computer, 
um, because it, a as long as it's programmed correctly, a computer will never make a mistake, right? And it kind of, and the thing, it's the same thing with our Toronto subway, the fact that they're, they're trying to get rid of one of the unionized positions in the subway in order to replace it with a machine. So that's why I made that connection between T2 and between modern society and, and you know, currently is because Miles is so obsessed with like, automating everything in order to make yeah. life easier but he doesn't think about the fact that this could have an um the impact of like basically world war three happening and and i remember that scene where sarah is about to sniper him like she he's about to she's about to take the sh the shot and blow his brains out but then um the little toy comes and hits him like the little remote control car and he and he and and so the, the bullet ends up hitting the screen instead and then, and then she comes in and, 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 and finally the Terminator and John Connor catch up with, with them. And um, she's smoking her cigarette and she's like, it's men like you who created the atom bomb. And, yeah. you know, you don't know the true life. You just know how to take it away. You've never had a life like growing within you. And that to me is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, not because it's an action packed scene, but because it's like the whole idea of Sarah Connor growing this human being inside her who's gonna and having to nurture him and and having to make him into this super soldier of the future meanwhile it's like and then you look at miles dyson who unbeknownst he doesn't even know he's gonna do it but he ends up like he, it's like such a contrast between her who's this nurturing mother and then him being the creator of this technology that's going to take away three billion lives mm-hmm yeah, I, I thought it was such a cool contrast how like Sarah Connor, she almost seems like the unhinged, like, like bad guy in the scene. Um, whereas he is al he's almost more sympathetic than she is. Um, but if you hadn't seen the, you know, what led up to that moment, that's what you would assume. But yeah, just so cool. Totally. You know what, to wrap up my thoughts, I just want to say uh, Robert Patrick gives a, an amazing performance, so cold and calculated. And apparently James Cameron cast him because he reminded him of a cat. And when you look at Robert Patrick's features, you kind of see that. He said, James Cameron, he moved like a cat. And I and, and James Cameron in the behind the scenes says, and, you know, when you think of cats, you think of elegance and grace. And Arnold is the complete opposite of that. Stoic. Yeah grounded <laughs> strong and that's what he wanted that contrast and when i i was like my god you totally see that like that is perfect but I, we talked about this in our automation episode one of the main themes when he says at the end and i'm not a i'm not ashamed to admit it i cry in terminator 2 at the end when he's going down into the lava it's very very sad yeah. but when he says i now you i now know why you cry but it's something I can never yeah, do. Yeah, and yeah. we talked about that. No matter how advanced machines get, there always needs to be that human element, fear, compassion, yeah. understanding that a machine can. And the Terminator realized that. No matter how hard I try and learn, I can never feel like you can. I can never yeah. understand that. One of the main themes. But I want to talk a bit about some of the action scenes, the tanker chase. Holy shit. Yes. One of the best action scenes. And when it spills into the liquid metal, Asta La Vista breaks him in half. Boom. That scene made me want to cheer like, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those, uh, again, one of, one of the first two are both my some of my all-time favorite films. Uh, Alex, do you have any kind of maybe final thoughts on T2? Yeah. 
I, I mean, yeah, that scene where he's just chasing them down the road with those those like hooks for hands. And yeah, he's got these yeah, yeah. huge metal things and he's just like, like, um, yeah, in the back of the car, uh, like hanging onto the back of the car. I mean, that was just like such a nerve wracking chase scene. It was just so well done and totally. just amazing. Great. Stoops, do you have any uh I, I can't thoughts? believe you're asking me for final thoughts. I haven't even gotten through a third of my thoughts yet. No, all I'll right, we'll throw, throw some out more. Throw some more out. No, no, I'll try and keep it, me a brief, which is hard for me because I, I'm out, way outspoken, as you guys know. But um just, just a couple things. I wanna again, I, I can't say enough about Linda Hamilton's performance, but something else I will say is that Linda Hamilton and Arnold actually did professional weapons training and they actually brought yeah. in i think it was an israeli um commando or something like that to i i, I don't know i think it was, it was he was a israeli but there was basically like um a professional you know military veteran who came in and actually taught them about weapons handling because in order to make her more believable her and arnold they wanted to have that extra you know, training involved to make them like handle the weapons better. And uh, it really shines through. And it's just an example of how serious James Cameron is about his craft to actually go to that extent of having professional weapons training. Um, and, and it really comes out in that scene. I mean, we all know Arnold's an action hero anyway, um, given his career. But one of my favorite scenes where you really see that weapons training come through is in Cyberdyne Systems when he's like taking out all the cops and he's got like the, the grenade launcher and then they're all trying to shoot him down in the lobby. And it's just like, there's so many good scenes there and then having to blow up Cyberdyne, like all that, that whole sequence. I love it. Um, that's, that's, I think an action scene that I wanted to just throw in there. I also wanted to mention yeah. about the weapons training. Um, but I think, I think to sort of um, wrap this up, I mean, I could sit here and talk for another half an hour, but to, to summarize my feelings is, you talked about the machines. We talked about um, the time travel paradox. We've talked about automation becoming something scary in the future and machines having too much power. Um, something that I want to talk about ha was, you know, how the Terminator, even though he is a machine and he cannot feel feelings or pain or, or all that sort of stuff, he was the best father to yeah. John Connor that John never had because he mentioned that. And, and and so when Sarah would date these guys she would really just date them like for you know so she could learn like she would date a green beret in order to like get some combat skills or whatever but they never stuck around because she was kind of she kind of crazy. appeared to be crazy right like would you want to date a woman who thought that the world was gonna like be you know taken over by robots Probably not. So she had a really tough time trying to raise John Connor. And the only guy who ever came close to acting as a father was the Terminator. And there's that one scene where they're in Mexico and she's going to go st um, stock up on weapons and uh, they're fixing the truck. And so John Connor is under the truck with the Terminator and he's asking him to give uh, for a wrench. And I'm like, this is perfect. This is the first time that he's had a father finger actually spending time with him. And so I, I, I think that as a mother who had, you know, everything up against her, who was thrown away in this asylum and was doing everything she could to protect her son, the only guy 
who could, you know, check all those boxes, sadly enough, was a robot. Was the well, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, like when you think about like what a father figure is to, to a son, you know, and you think about the way that you thought of your dad when you were a kid, you know, you thought of your dad as this incredibly strong, incredibly powerful. As a, as a, he was a hero. Um, a un, like, yeah, basically nothing, nothing would, um, uh, like it seemed like he had no emotions. Like it's just like he was just like solid, you know. Yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting that that that's the character that he identifies with as his father figure, because there's yeah. something about that in real life, you know. Obviously, as you grow older, you realize that your dad is a real person and is fallible and has all these problems. But when you're when you're that age, you don't think of him that way. No, it's, it's a hero. Um, Stoops, do you have any other thoughts? Because we're only going to briefly talk about the other yeah. films. You got something else you want to throw no, out? No, I think I, I think I've spent enough time talking about this one. Um, why, why did it take so long to put out the third one? Well, all right. You know what? Let's move on to the third one. So it came out a good eight or nine years. No more. No, eleven years later. I think it was something like that. Twelve years later. Two thousand three. Yes. Um, directed by Jonathan Mostow, very, very good director. He did the very underrated breakdown. For any listeners out there, watch that film. Kurt Russell, very great suspenseful thriller. Um, I went to go see it opening night. And the first time I saw it, I really, really liked it. I knew right away it wasn't as good as the first two. And after uh, you know, many viewings, I would say it's definitely not as good as the first two. I, I would say it's a little bit underrated it's a bit better than some people think i i think it's a decent film i think the best part about it is the ending the ending took me completely by surprise in t3 but the problem is it goes against the themes that james cameron laid out no fate but what we make for ourselves okay well now that's bullshit judgment yeah. day is inevitable here we go but but i did like how the ending i didn't expect it like oh he was just leading them to safety. So I definitely think it's an okay film. T3 is not bad to me by any stretch of the imagination. Some great action scenes, some good lines. Um, not as good as the first two, but I can have fun with it. Your yeah. thoughts on T3, guys. And like, honestly, Misha, you, you kind of summed up my thinking about it. I remember seeing it in theaters back in high school um, yeah. as well. And like, I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was fun. I had some popcorn. I had a couple of, you know, jump out of the seat moments. And the guy who played John Connor as like a 20 or 30, whatever, I guess he was in his 20s. He was pretty good. Um, I think I think for me, like the highlight was like kind of the evolved form of the T-1000, which I think was like the TX or whatever. I forget what the, what the, what the name of the model was, but- The TX, was it? Something like that. But basically- um, doesn't really matter but the basically like her um not only having like the the malle malleability like the being able to flow seamlessly like the t1000 but have being able to control machines with her electronics and like take over a, a vehicle like remotely was kind of cool um i forget who played her but like honestly she was she was had a very low cloaking yes had, yeah. she had a really really good performance and, and like let's be real not bad to look at either <laughs> especially in that in that leather suit or whatever oh my god anyways moving away from that for a second no i thought i thought it was good i like the the um john connor's like love interest or whatever like 
um, and, and kind of, I guess she ends up being one of his lieutenants. Um, I like the return of Arnold. He can still pull it off at that point um, and yeah. not seem too old for the role. Um, I like the fact that Sarah Connor had died. And so he's kind of living in her legacy. But other than that, like it just, I, I think to your point, Misha, like it was a fun film to watch. But at the same time, every time one of these movies is made, it's kind of like Star Wars where it, it dilutes the franchise. And we can talk it, it about how the... And T3 it's kind of like destroy the franchise, though. I didn't insult the previous two films, but it didn't really add anything well, to the universe either. You well, know, I, think, I, I think the problem with this one is that it, it, like, it's almost like the special effects was getting so accessible now um, that they, that they, it was just that much easier to go overboard with it. And where yeah. you're, where the screen is just saturated with like too much action to the point where it's not even thrilling anymore. And I find it really interesting that that it actually came out the same year as Matrix Reloaded. Yes. Because I dislike Matrix Reloaded for the exact same reason. And I don't know if like similar production houses were working on both movies, but I found like the action scenes are just too much and it, it ruins it for me. Well, yeah, because and Alex, you made a great point because then I also think about the, because around the time that the, that the Matrix uh, sequels came out, very, very astute of you to think about that. That was the same year. You also had the prequels for Star Wars coming out and it was like that awful computer animation that George Lucas just used way too much of. And I think that was a um, symptom of the, uh, of the times of the 90s, like seeing that technology just in order to be competitive in a, in a, in a very fast growing space. This technology had gotten so much better since 1991 that everyone had access to you know, compare animation technology to your point, Alex. And so everyone was using it, but they were using it to the nth degree and to, and like exactly like what you said, they were just filling the screen with this, this animation. And it kind of takes away from the effect of it. Um, number one. And I think number two, um, the time, the whole idea, Misha, that you, what, like you said, is that the whole idea like there is no fate like they could have just left it like they could have just left yeah. the movie okay well we've destroyed the chip that was inside arnold's head we've destroyed the chip from the cyberdyne systems the future has been corrected all is well but then every time they make another um movie in the franchise they have to add additional reasoning about why judgment day still happened and it takes away from the integrity of the story yeah, because you can't really stop. Um, before we go on to the next one, just one thing I wanted to mention. Andrew, I'm actually going to disagree with you on one thing when you mentioned the, the THX, the Christina Loken performance. I, I like her performance in Terminator 3. Uh, she's a good actress, but I thought it was such a gimmick to make it a woman because the first Terminator, he's a bad guy. Second one, let's make him a good guy. Well, what can we do now? He can't be a good guy again. Oh, Let's make the new Terminator a female. Oh, that's so different. predictable. Yeah. yeah, like it was. It was very uh, gimmicky, but she, but she did good. Like I said, I think it's a it's a decent film. I don't get if I can watch it any time of the day, not get offended. It's not Last Jedi where it just you know I want to burn that <laughs> every copy of that film that exists. Um, so anyway, let's move on to the next one, Terminator Salvation. She came out a couple of years later with Christian Bale. Now, I was actually really excited for this one because Christian Bale, 
was really hot at the time. Just yeah. Dark Knight had come out. I thought he was a perfect choice. This is going to be really gritty, kind of like the first film. You have a great actor. First time I saw it in the theater, I hated it. I thought it was awful. When I go back to revisit it now, though, I appreciate it a bit more because at least they did something different. Every Terminator film before that and after has been two Terminators get back in time, they fight, they kill each other, they save the day. This was the only one that tried something different. Yeah. Um, but I was really excited to see the, the future war that James Cameron had gave us glimpses of. But it looked nothing like James Cameron's world. It was yeah, much more yeah. like Mad Max Fury. Where, where's the blue tinted and the skulls on the ground? But I'll give them some credit for doing something different. Like T, I, I think T3 is a little bit better. It's an okay film. I have fun with it when I watch. It doesn't insult me. Eh, it's meh. Alex, go ahead. <laughs> I would have liked to see Lou Ferrigno as the, <laughs> as the next Terminator. That would have been great. But... Uh... <laughs> Pumping iron for anyone who hasn't seen that. Um, yeah, I, I, I stopped watching after Judgment Day. So I don't know. I'd be here interested to hear what Stoops has to say about it. Sounds yeah. like uh, not worth it. Not worth my time. Or... Honestly. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that. Yeah, I was on the Christian Bale bandwagon because like, honestly, like Dark Knight, one of my favorite ba- out of all the 16 different Batman franchises that they have going on right now, Dark Knight to me is the epitome of like the, the amazing kind of dark take on Batman. So honestly, like great casting choice to, to pluck him away from the Batman franchise when he's hot and uh, throw him in as John Connor. I actually thought he did a good job. I thought he did a good job, but then I'm kind of like the, I think I'm kind of like the optimist in the group here in terms of like, appreciating these films um given our past discussions about last jedi uh, misha but uh and your hatred towards the sequel trilogy but no in all in all seriousness i thought it was a good film and i actually re-watched it i think last year um every couple of years i do like a rewatch of the terminators because i own yeah. all of them um like the hardcore fan that i am and i really like it and i think it's better than rise of the machines I still think that Judgment Day is like the one and only like one that stands out from everything else. And like the first two are the best. T1 and T2, like amazing. They could have left it at that. That said, um, Salvation, I thought was a good take. It used imagination. You have Sam Worthington, I think is Worthington, Sam Worthington, um, playing the Terminator who has a bit of redemption at the end when he can give away. Was Arnold in that? Arnold's not in that. This was actually, Alex, you're, you're good for mentioning that. Um, this was the only one that Arnold wasn't in because at the time he was governing the Governor. biggest uh, state in the country of California. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, so he was unable to be in it. So they actually had a um, a computer animated version of him just off in the distance as you were in seeing the the T eight hundred models being made. There was like a like look alike of him like that was like animated in. But other than Which that, is actually very well done. That's it was no, it was well done, and this was actually the first and only terminator movie not to have arnold in it but that said i like the fact that they put it in the future i like that we saw like a younger kyle reese having to like um fight for survival um yeah no i thought it was a really interesting take and i thought it was really well shot i thought the cinematography the visuals the special effects the animation just the environment that they created the setting that they created was phenomenal and it's not my favorite 
um, of, of the, of them. But if I had to like kind of rank them right now, like I would put one and two at the top and then I would probably follow that by salvation. Interesting. Where I'm going to agree with you, Andrew, their heart was definitely in the right place. Like you can, it wasn't a cynical cash grab. They tried with this one. Yeah. And, and when I, I've seen it many times now, and each time I watch it, I do like it more and more because I appreciate that it's an original story. I just don't think it, it, they, they quite pull it off. Um, but but I, I enjoy watching Salvation. I, I think T3 and T4 are both uh, decent films. Um, let's move on now to the next one. Came out a couple of years later. Can we later. not, Misha? Can we just like skip over Genesis and Turn, pretend it no, never came we, out? We have to mention it because oh. this, this is the best Terminator film out of all of them. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Like I could go, I could go find a three-year-old in a preschool and have them scribble on a piece of paper for 10 minutes. And whatever they, whatever dialogue they come up with in that 10 minutes is going to be better than what was written. But like, honestly, I get sick to my stomach when I think about Genesis. Like I'm actually offended. I am fucking offended that Genesis was made. Like I cannot overstate how fucking offended I am by Genesis. Like I yeah, I, I'm I'm livid when I think about Genesis. This is this is how I feel about the the last. But I'm with you. I saw this film and I was like, "What did I just watch?" Yeah, Out of all the yeah, films, yeah. Um, there it's just completely stupid. When they go back to rewrite the first film, it's just absolutely offensive. Nothing makes sense. Turning John Connor into a villain, which they ruin in the trailer. Oh, garbage, garbage. Amelia Clark, horrible Sarah Connor. Hor you horrible. You know what? Yeah. Amelia Clark, oh. let me just say, fuck her being in Star Wars. Fuck her being in Ter Terminator. <laughs> let her stick as the dragon mother, man. Like, no, don't get me wrong. I love Amelia Clark. Like, she, as the dragon mother in Game of Thrones, like, I, I was never a huge Game of Thrones fan, but I did watch a little bit of it. Um, fantastic. I love her performance in Game of Thrones. Really good actress. She should not be in, in a Star Wars movie as Ponsolo's fucking love life, love connection, and she should not be in Terminator. Stick to fucking Game of Thrones. You know what? I will say one thing about Genesis. When I was watching it in the theater, it starts off the first five minutes talking about the future. And I'm like, okay, I think this, this is going to be good. And I, I, I like how they show uh, Kyle Reese going back right i thought like oh i've always wanted to see this but when i knew the movie went downhill so <laughs> kyle reese takes off his shirt to go into the thing and he's absolutely ripped and i go to my brother and i go i had no idea in the apocalypse they had like personal trainers personal <laughs> and you all look like amber crumb models it yeah, was so yeah. dumb like why does he look so good and he's they're just you know they're just like the, he's just like floating like in the thing. He's like fucking dancing like in the in the in, and floating like in the magical fucking beam. I'm like, what is this, like a fucking Disney movie? Like I don't know. I don't know what's going on here, man. Like it was. They did not was, try with this this one. It was such a cynical cash grab. But Alex, I don't know if you've seen sorry. This I gotta movie. I gotta jump in one more time before, I, I, before Alex even talks. Before Alex even talks, like the scene where Arnold comes back and like sees his former self, and they mix in that old fucking footage. Uh, from the 1980s like is there a toilet nearby because i have to go vomit by how horrible this movie. like honestly guys i cannot overstate how fucking horrible this movie is alex yeah I, i'm trying to get this straight in my head so I, I know a while ago i saw a clip of like of arnold schwarzenegger like 
like he's obviously older but they use like computer graphics to like make him look like his younger self and then yeah. and then they like reenacted those the uh, uh like the very first like the first terminator is that what terminator genesis is or unfortunately you're correct <laughs> yeah okay there's also <laughs> one really dumb thing that bugs me uh, one scene where, where Kyle Reese says to Arnold, who sent you? Because Alex, in this one, a Terminator gets sent back even before the first film, before 1984. And he just says, those files have been erased. And I'm like, well, that's a big plot. Like, who sent this guy at this? Like, that's this, this is useful information we should have. There's so many plot holes in this film. But anyway, let's go on to the next one. Something I think that's actually worth talking about. So Dark Fate, uh, it came out not too long ago. I remember when I saw this in the theater, I went by myself and there was no one in the cinema. And I went, oh my God, I think this is the Cause last. Because Genesis ruined the franchise and no one had any trust anymore. I think so, because Dark Fate bombed at the box office. So I think Terminator is now done and maybe rightfully so. I never thought the Terminator was a franchise. I, it's not that kind of a film series because yeah. yeah. plot holes just develop more and more the more you do. But I saw Dark Fate and I had a good time with it. Uh, unlike Terminator 3, I didn't mention this, the humor in Dark Fate actually works really well. It is a very funny film. Now, some people might not like that in their Terminator, but I, 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 there are some funny lines. Um, it's an, The action scenes are good. It's entertaining. But my fundamental flaw, it's a fun film, but incredibly stupid what they do with Arnold. Arnold now has a family after yeah. he kills John Connor, he grows a conscience yeah. and feels bad about it. So now he wants to join Sarah Connor in the world, the war. And I'm like, what happened to, uh, he's an unstoppable killer. He has no yeah. pity or yeah. remorse and he absolutely will not stop. And also they kill John Connor and get rid of Skynet yeah. Yeah. and they yeah. just replace it with Legion. And then another yeah. savior who is, is now a woman because we have to be woke always with these new films. <laughs> and I just said, so you just replace John Connor with new John Connor and replace Skynet with new Skynet. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, it's a yeah. fun film, but it's incredibly yeah. dumb. That, that Anyway, Stoops. You know what? Yeah, Nisha, thank you for that. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I was really looking forward to this. In fact, I remember going to yeah. see this with my aunt because my aunt is a very big sci-fi action enthusiast like she's into star wars and all that stuff as well and so she, she you know she's actually the one who gave me coming speak of coming full circle she's the one who gave me that vhs of t2 back when i was like nine or ten years old and wow. so it was really it was a nice moment for me to go with my aunt to the theater and see this movie and i was so pumped because like arnold's back again um, after his, after the dismal, you know, trash that was Genesis, he's coming yeah. back. Um, you have Linda Hamilton reprising her role after 25 years or, you know, almost, almost 30 years, um, still fit as a fiddle. Like she's, she's like almost 60 and she's like, she's still like in good shape. She's sharp. She's ready to do like she, and she, even in, when I watched the behind the scenes stuff, She's like in there, like doing the action, man. Like, yeah, they have stunt doubles, but like she was in there, like doing the action scenes, which is amazing. So yeah. to see Sarah Connor come back to the big screen after a after a, a hiatus of almost thirty years, incredible. Having Arnold back in, even though he's almost even though he's like in his seventies, incredible. He can still 
he can still pull it off, even though he's in his seventies, like he's my dad's age, like, and he can pull it off. Um, all that was awesome. Um, what I think, I think what, what fundamentally the flaw, like that I, that I, that you did mention that I wanted to point out was the fact that we have Edward Furlong in the first one, who's, who's poised to become, uh, and who, whoever doesn't know who Edward Furlong was, he was the guy who played the young John Connor in, in T2. He's poised to become the, the leader of, of, of the revolution in the future and the resistance. And we all think that they've, that, 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 and that he's like the hero. And then all of a sudden the Terminator comes back and kills him. And it takes in it. And it basically, as I said, it dilutes the entire franchise leading up to it. And it, and it just plays with the fact that we thought that this was all corrected back in 1991 when they prevented the war, but then now a Terminator for whatever reason still exists and can come back and kill John and now you have this new John Connor, who again, because we're living in a cancel, whatever kind of progressive culture thing, has to be a woman, which I have no issues with that. Like women action heroes are awesome. Yeah. But just the fact that they like, I don't know, it's just like, it felt like they were grabbing too hard for like, for the same old thing. Like it was this, it was basically a reboot, reboot and it was the same old thing recycled again yeah, and the- again. Exactly. Do you guys think, I got a question for you guys. Do you guys think that, you know, a super successful franchise will inevitably have bad movies made like eventually? Cause it just seems like everything we talk about, whether it's the alien franchise, star Wars, yeah. just, uh, Indiana Jones. It's just like, yeah. if yeah. it reaches a certain level of success, it's almost guaranteed to have yeah. an endless amount of, follow-ups and sequels piled on and they all just turn to crap well i think the the fundamental thing alex is because when you do the first movie maybe even the second and third one they come from a place of love wanting Mm -hmm. to tell a story whereas after that it just becomes about how can we cash in and make money off of this yeah and and forcing the story like after t2 like we're done guys. There's nowhere to go really after this. You could even say that after T1 in a way, right? But um, yeah, so it becomes no longer about making a a great story, but just trying to cash in on something. Well, that, yeah, that's really the, that's really it. Like, and I think, I think another problem is like back when Star Wars or Alien or Terminator 1 came out, like it, what the world wasn't as saturated. Now we have Amazon Prime, Netflix, in the states they have hulu they have all we have all the cable stations and so there's so much content out there there's so much competition there's so much money going into productions and and all of these different streaming services also make their own productions and so yeah. there's it's 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 it is more of a cash grab and unfortunately we saw that with 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 alien i mean i thought i thought covenant and um i thought covenant alien covenant was pretty good but i mean you think about like alien resurrection you think about the star wars prequel trilogy like the you know um attack of the clones you think about all these movies where you can tell it's just like the nature of capitalism you take something that works and you make it over and over and over again meanwhile yeah like i couldn't agree i couldn't agree with you guys more they should have just let it die and just be what it was in 1991, but they have to keep stretching it out and stretching it out. And then it just, what it does is it hurts the integrity of the original. 
the other thing that I was thinking about, you know, when I was, when we were about to do this podcast was like the Terminator, just the title, like how great of a title of a movie is that? And can you imagine being a writer or a director and that title has never been used for a movie before? Um, like you have to think that part of this is the fact that there are a limited amount of great movie names, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like like Alien, Terminator, um, Star Wars, you know, like it's hard to come up with a great name for a movie like that. And I wonder if it's that we're just kind of running out of those those basic great names for franchise. Well, don't don't forget about the wallpaper, Alex. Right? The wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> Misha has no idea what we're talking about, and I probably <laughs> a great a great student film by an I, up and coming director uh, Andrew Stewart. <laughs> I I probably just ruined. Actually, no, you do know about this. I do you know were, about you this. You my camera this assist- you remember you're my camera assistant on the yeah, wallpaper. Yeah, I remember this. Yes. Oh my God. And like, let's just be real. Like the wallpaper, what a great name. No, but joking aside though, I know what you're saying, Alex, like, and, 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 and um, taking away my ego for a second and that great student film of the wallpaper, I do want to say what you're saying is true. Like there, you know, the, the title of the film has an impact and I couldn't agree with you more that like, like there, like something as simple as alien. It's simple but it leaves it up to your imagination as yeah. what the alien could be just like the terminator what does that mean and then you watch the movie and like oh it creates yeah. mystery that, yes. that's it intrigues you yeah yeah and, um, and it, it all stems from that word and yeah. there's just only so many good movie titles yeah that can that can spawn an amazing uh, an amazing movie like this it's almost like they have to recycle the Terminator, if you want to do that type of a movie again. Yeah. Um, All right, guys. Well, good, good stuff. Uh, Any final thoughts? I'll give my final thoughts. Uh, You know, those first two films, I said this on our Indiana Jones show, if I'm on a desert island, I take those first two Terminator films with me. They are some of my favorites. But I do think, I don't, out of all the franchises we've talked about, this one is definitely dead. I don't know what you do with the next one. Um, they don't make any money so why would any studio want to do another terminator um this is the one franchise where i'm just like i i i don't think i don't think there will be another one for a while but the first two will always hold a special place in my heart alex any last thoughts yeah you just never know with with studio (laughs) these days you just never know (laughs) that's so true yeah <laughs> no you know what i think i think until arnold schwarzenegger can no longer lift a gun like when he's like 90s they'll still make these movies because like let's be real like even though he's even though he's like almost 75 like he can still do it because yeah. he's fit yeah and he can I, I, he can pull it off the problem with this is that the plot of terminator is kind of thin like there's only so much you can do yeah, with it. I yeah. feel like the Star Wars universe, you can do a lot with that. Yes. Um, but I think it's kind of a victim of the fact that like it's it's a beautiful, a beautifully simple plot. And yes. that's what made it so good in the first place. Yes. But the yeah. fact that it's so simple makes it so terrible to elaborate on. And it, so it I guess it sounds hard. like you guys, you guys think that Terminator should be terminated. <laughs> Hasta la vista. Baby. I think so. I mean, unless something brilliant comes along, but I, I don't, 
see that happening. You know what? So I'm gonna I'm just gonna quickly I just want to get that pun in there because I was waiting for a while to you to use that. But honestly, <laughs> like this, I'm gonna close this off with my thesis that I've kind of talked about. This has really come come up in a lot of different podcasts, is awesome female action heroes. We talked about I've mentioned, you know, Janeway being the first um, female starship captain in Star Trek. Incredible. Carrie Fisher being a princess that's any that acts nothing like a princess. You have um, Sigourney Weaver as the uh, as um, Lieutenant Ripley, who is yeah. just a don't, machine. Don't forget uh, Kelly Marie Tran. <laughs> <laughs> From Star Wars? <laughs> From Last Jedi. From Last Jedi. You just had to, you just had to, you just had to ruin my you had to ruin my sentiments with that with that mediocre performance. Um, but no, honestly, honestly though, like Sigourney, going back to what I was saying, Sigourney Weaver, um, just a fun to me, like a fundamental like like idea of what a of what a classic action hero is. And then you have Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor, one of the best female action hero performances i i would say of all time and this one of the strongest performances that i've ever seen was in judgment day by her so yeah i'll close it out just with with that and just say that um you know forgetting about everything that came after like judgment day is one of the best action sci-fi films ever made full stop yep i think the first two are up there with best action horror films whatever you want to say but awesome all right well that was another episode of the lockdown lowdown we were reviewing the terminator series as always please support the facebook page we are growing and we really appreciate that thank you so much for your support please keep it coming we have more exciting content coming up and as always thank you for watching we'll be back with some more content soon <laughs>